Hello, and welcome to Little Pine Tree Studio Productions. This is our first podcast series, and I am your host, Dodie Perdidas, and this is the Mysteries of Creativity Explored. We invite you, our listeners, to join us as we delve into four unique journeys to help us understand what make uh, the process of making ideas and dreams into a reality. Today is episode four. I will be exploring the personal journey of Alex Perditas, wildlife photographer and educator, who you met in our first series. Our focus today will center on how Alex connects with his clients to meet their needs, and also how he connects with his wildlife subjects. Alex, can you be reached on Instagram before I continue here? And if you can, would you like to add your address? Yeah, so Instagram is the best way to contact me. And you can reach me there um, at Alex underscore Perditas, P-R-I-E-D-I-T-I-S. Thank you, Alex. And now we'll go straight to the interview. Alex, I, I, I'd really like to get into more depth with you about this process of when you, first of all, connect with your, with your clients, because you are running a business you need to know as much as you can about your clients before you know what to set up in your programs. So I would like you to explain that because you have a wide variety of different kinds of clients and in different parts of your career. Could you elaborate? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so with my business, I have elements of, you know, course teaching, personal coaching, and uh, what I call consultations. So these target different groups of people um, and they're kind of catered to different needs. So for courses, I'm mostly working with absolute beginners. People, people who have just started to use their cameras and maybe don't know, you know the ins and outs yet. Um, and for those people, I'm really trying to be as like, open and general as possible trying to kind of you know you have to be more patient you're working through working through things a little bit slower um a lot more like structured in terms of the planning of courses and i am in general a little bit more um how should i put it nicer when it comes to <laughs> feedback <laughs> that they, thankfully they thankfully alex <laughs> <laughs> yeah because you know they're just learning you want to, want to be as positive as possible so they you know keep learning yes um when dealing with the coaching and the workshops it's a little bit different these are usually more intermediate to advanced shooters and for them you know we're going out and there's less structure to things i'm talking to them more about what exactly they want to learn and then we're working through those things individually. And for that, it requires me to have a really wide range of skills that I may not might not have to have if I was only teaching entry-level courses. So for the intermediate workshops and stuff, I have to really, really know about all sorts of genres of photography. Right. And I have to be cognizant of the different styles that are in those things and be open-minded about different styles so that when I'm working with a client, I can cater it very specifically to them. With the consultations, on the other hand, people are coming to me for 
usually well usually coming to me because of my technical ability and my knowledge base when it comes to both equipment and technique so generally i'm dealing with mostly advanced shooters for the consultations and we have to do a more of a deep dive into how their own process works and how we can work through the problems they're having and try to find something that really, really works for them. So can I just ask you, what brought you to this point of expertise? And what we really need to emphasize too, is that your technical abilities are strong and they're part of what you are in your courses and to your clients in, in all aspects and that you, you work fast, you are very knowledgeable, you can identify different things that are happening as you see them and then respond. Can you also emphasize, how did you get there? Yeah, so why don't I talk a little bit about my journey before we kind of dive into anything else, just because I think that's important for the overarching process that I have. Okay. I don't know if that's okay with you. Um, sure. So... I got into photography when I was in university mm -hmm. um, and I was near kind of near the end of my degree. I switched programs a few times and I fell in love with wildlife um, photography when I was there. So when I was ever since I was a little kid, I really, really loved animals. I was really into dinosaurs and um, wildlife ba even back when I was like a, you know, like a toddler. <laughs> so Going through school, I was very biology focused. And going to university, I initially went to food science and nutrition. Uh, that really wasn't for me. It wasn't my calling. So I ended up switching to paleontology and earth sciences. Um, but due to some scheduling issues <laughs> with that program, I ended up switching again to biology and then that's what kind of led me down the rabbit hole of all these um, wildlife-specific ecology classes. Right. And I kind of gained a expertise, I guess, in animal behavior when I was there. While I was kind of going through all this, I took an ornithology class. And... Can you explain to our audience what that is? Yeah, so or ornithology is know. the study of birds. Okay. Um, and so I took, well, I actually took two classes in that. And during the second class, my prof was a wildlife photographer. And I um, was really enamored by his equipment, to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah, he had an 800 millimeter lens. Like, I was like, wow, this thing is like three feet long and look at a telescope. And he's taking photos, <laughs> these awesome photos of these birds. And I spent more time birding and looking for wildlife. And it became like really fascinated with the little intricacies of the subjects. And at Carleton, we had a barred owl that lived on campus and a snowy owl. So those were two of the, what do you call in the wildlife community, uh, spark birds. So these are like kind of like the first two birds that really, really, really got me hooked. So I, I spent like almost every day going out birding. And eventually I started taking photos of the birds. I thought, you know, I want to capture what I'm seeing. Um, but then... I really started to fall in love with the photography side of things. 
And I think that I also had a natural ability to, uh, from a technical standpoint. So I ended up learning rather quickly with how, um, how the camera worked and how to capture what I want to capture. So I moved um, into other genres after that. So I, while well, I started in wildlife and I stayed in wildlife, I started to expand into portrait photography, landscape photography, night photography, and macro photography. And I really, really liked all, all types of photography. So once I, in like a few months, um, I started becoming, you know, pretty good at it. And I said, you know what, maybe I should try teaching photography. I knew it was a long shot because I, you know, I just started a few months ago and teaching people at who have been shooting, like, honestly, a lot of them shooting longer than me was like, I thought, you know, maybe I won't get the job, but I might as well try. So I applied for a job at Learn Photography Canada and I got it. <laughs> I had <laughs> I guess I had the best portfolio of anyone who applied and I beat out people who had degrees in photography. So it was like a really big win for me. And through that process, I really started to gain some teaching skills. And I, I already had a natural ability to teach. Like I, I coached archery when I was in high school and I helped people learn that. And I've helped people learn things all throughout whenever I could. So going to, uh, teaching photography was not that big of a shift from that standpoint. Um, but it was interesting to gain the experience of actually working with people, working with other photographers. And um, I think that was a very valuable, valuable lesson. I had some rough times while, while, while learning that, right? Like, so like the first class I ever taught, I got jumped right into teaching an intermediate class in night photography. So normally <laughs> the, the normal, the normal process is that you start with, uh, teaching like a class one then you move to class two class three class four and like night photography is like class five well i went right into class five and uh, i didn't even finish the training i still haven't finished the training to be honest um <laughs> <laughs> and um so we're interested to see how that went alex <laughs> it was a disaster it okay it was a disaster i was so nervous because i i'd never done this before and like putting myself out there. And luckily I had only one student and he said to me like, Alex, you know what? I don't want you to teach me the class. I want you to teach me how to shoot night photography your way. And oh, wasn't that a, a nice happening? And it was so rewarding and wow. it really allowed me to put my own spin on it. And I know I wasn't actually supposed to do that, um, <laughs> but he, the student asked for it. So I gave it to him and that really that first experience really gave me a love of teaching photography and it, it, it was it was incredible and also how to respond and keep your confidence yeah when you're thrown yeah. into a situation that was unpredictable yeah no for sure um yeah. i had i had a few good classes after that nice and smooth they were level one level two classes and then i had a level two class that was like seven people and three of the people hated me <laughs> like they, they, well, they like maybe you just didn't resonate with it. I did a bad job and Is they also right? just they also just didn't like me to go with that. So like I think they were they were pretty bitter. They didn't want anything to do with the class. They paid for it so they showed up. They left halfway through. They gave me a oh. bad review and I had and I had to talk to the the upper management. I'd explain to them what happened. They told me to do a bunch of stuff. I didn't do any of it because they they really needed me there. 
and I wasn't very good. I wasn't an, I'm not an employee. I wasn't an employer, right? I was a um, private contractor, so I don't really have to um, do a lot of the stuff they, they recommend I do. Even <laughs> then, you even when you were working with them, you yeah. were a private contractor. You weren't their employee. Yeah, no, no, I'm not an employee of. The only person I'm an employee of is myself. And that's always been the way then yep. with you. That's yep. how you set it up. Yeah. And like I have contracts with the with these companies, but I don't um yeah, there's no there's no employee contract, right? Oh. Um so that teaching experience was good. I taught for them for about three years. I'm still technically on their uh team, but I'm kind of like a third backup right now. I'm not I I even I even told them I was like I don't really want to do it unless you have unless you have to unless you really really need me but you're on good terms with them and they yeah yeah i'm going i'm on good terms there's been a little bit of a, a shift in the business they sold the business to one of the other instructors oh i see and um i haven't really been in contact with him yeah it's it's a whole thing <laughs> yeah 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 and we don't need to go into depth we need to know how you went through that process so i would um yeah then... so yeah so that was, a, that was a process of how i got into teaching and throughout that time i've done i mean i've worked with you um i've worked with a few other long-term people um i have you know i guess a network of clients now that will get workshops from me and I've, I've taken a lot of them from that beginner phase all the way up into intermediate and some of them are starting to become pretty advanced shooters as well so when you 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 work through different media's then you're you're zooming with some people you go into the field with other yep. people go ahead yeah so with the classes those are in person currently mm -hmm. i'm teaching for the photo academy and also independently for i see um classes um for workshops also in the they're also in the field except for editing but i i haven't really released that one yet there will be an editing workshop that will be taking place on Zoom in the future. Have you a clientele who's asked for that? Yeah, there's people who have requested it. They've requested that, and they've also requested the uh, a critiquing service. The so, which service? Explain. Um, critiquing. So, oh, I see. Um, send me the images. I'll comment on them, positive or negative, as as I see it. Did you mention that you have a formula for that? That you have a certain criteria that you have explained to the client and then you give them feedback on yes. that. Yeah, yeah. So I have a rating process. System. I have a rating uh -huh. system for photos. Uh -huh. um, it's a 10, well, it's a 10 point system plus one. Um, the extra one is a zero if, or sorry, negative one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Where So with that system, I kind of gives it like a grade to an image. And it takes you, the grades go from anywhere from entry level, like absolute beginner, no effort at all taken for an image. You just get a snapshot all the way up into like a world-class level image for a given genre. And I use that system for uh, looking at my own images. And I also use it for looking at other people's images. And um, I have it divided up in a way where um, I only, like there's like five point systems for beginners, intermediate, and professionals and advanced photographers. I use like a system that's kind of complicated like that just so that I can give I, it so I can artificially inflate or deflate 
people's scores based on their on like it's like a handicap system oh i so, see yeah, yeah so i don't so then like if someone's a beginner i don't want to give them a one star right mm-hmm. that just feels feels kind of bad I mean, they put a lot of effort in they give them a one star right whereas like i could give them like a three out of five using that kind of split up way <laughs> right yeah. so you put a, you put a lot of work into this yeah it took me it was a it was something i was working on for about three months is it yes yeah and you, when you work on something, that's every day, I think. Yeah, I was, was refining it. I was testing it with a group of um, a group chat, and I was kind of going back and forth with them. We're looking at images, trying to. I was trying to calibrate it in, taking feedback for for the uh, the system. So, do you have a particular team that you ask uh, for feedback when you're when you're considering an idea? I'm interested to know how that works for you because you need feedback but at the same yep. time you, you may not want the feedback to come until a certain point that you're at okay yeah so for the services mm-hmm. because they're all catered to other photographers i have two group chats that i'm part of and i use them to test ideas and for feedback on what people think so i have one where it's mostly younger photographers so we're talking like teenagers and up to like 30 Right? I see. In that range. Yeah. And then I have one where it's a mix of like 20 year olds up to like 50 year olds. Um, I don't have a group chat with um, like 50 and up, but I work with a lot of people in that range for through my classes. So I, I can. Yes, use... I thought you did have an yeah, older yeah. group. Yeah. Though. So, yeah. So for, for the classes, I have that. And then for the other services, it's mostly the younger end. Um, so what I do is I, you know, I pass the idea out there. So I actually have a chat dedicated for when I was testing the rating system called the rating chat. And <laughs> I was getting people to use it, use the system. And we were looking at other people's images, trying to figure out the ratings of them. And it turned out to be very effective. Uh, I will say the part, one of the feedbacks that I got was, Alex, I think the rating system is too harsh. It's, <laughs> too, it's too mean. And that's why I started adding the handicap system to it and now i've gotten what i need out of that chat we don't need to use the rating system anymore oh that's good for that now it's mostly internal use so when i'm looking at my own images looking at working for clients for critiquing specifically so i'm not going out there publicly saying oh this is a this is a two-star image this is a three this is a zero yeah yes 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 well you then take uh negative feedback seriously and respond in a way if it can improve what you're yep. hoping to, to yep. oh, create. Yeah, when I'm taking negative feedback, I will resist it, right? So if someone <laughs> tells me, oh, this is terrible, I ask them, I, like, I don't think it's terrible, but um, explain why <laughs> it's terrible. If they gave me a good reason, which they do about 10% of the time, then I will I will take that feedback and use it. If, it's, if they can't give me an actual reason, then it's then it's not really critique they gave me it's just complaint they're complaining about nothing right or an, so, or an opinion that does not, yeah yeah exactly an it's just opinion. personal yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah so so when I have like real genuine feedback I always use it I I never want to ignore that kind of th- that kind of stuff that's important and mm-hmm. you've learned to deal with that quite well and actually how 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 also to d- identify what is really important feedback and what isn't yeah no I, th- I think as a photographer you have to get used to getting feedback 
and yes. being able to accept it. I think some people live in a, some photographers want to live in a bit of a bubble where they there's no feedback at all. And <laughs> I mean, I think it's it's complicated because I I think for some people maybe that works. Maybe if it, if you're not yeah. trying to get better and you're trying to um, just have fun and enjoy yourself, maybe that negative feedback isn't good for you. Like maybe you maybe that it, it kind of takes away from the the activity itself. But I think for, uh, I think for a lot of people they're trying to get better, right? So getting that feedback is what's going to allow you to get better. If you never get the feedback, you'll never improve. <laughs> yes, for sure. So moving on from that. Uh... Where do you see yourself now on that part of the journey? So right now I'm like right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So right now I am working on a shorebird photography project. I'm just at the end of the spring season and I'm going to be using those images for advertising for my fall uh, shorebird workshops. So I'm trying to expand into species specific workshops. Um, Interesting. And I think, because I think there's a lot of potential there. And I'm kind of sub-specializing in shorebirds uh, at this point. Uh, are you not... posting them right now on so Instagram? Because these... some of them are amazing, I think. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. So the ones I've been posting are from the fall and winter shorebird projects. So okay. I haven't done the spring yet. I have spring, summer, and fall this year uh, that are coming up or that you'll see soon. Spring right. is almost done. I think that's a pretty cool one. And then... I'll use the I'll use the shots from last fall, the winter, and then this recent one for advertising for the fall workshops. So I think that's that's what I'm working on right now. Um, I'm also working on getting the critiquing service, like the full critiquing service launched. Mm -hmm. I'm working on my own podcast. I'm working. Um, what am I also working on? I am actively working with clients still, doing my same stuff. And you know, just trying oh, to expand and improve and learn, get better. This is a perfect time then to go into the kind of relationships you have with your wildlife. Because there, one thing I wanted to talk about was, I know that some people have said to you, you're like uh, a wildlife whisperer. And you had laughed about that because what you had said is, this is something that I have acquired because I'm so observant. I'm not, I'm not born with some special magical power. I don't think there is a magical power like that. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. Do you remember saying that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, a lot of people have told me that they thought I had some special ability with animals. And at the time, this is a few years ago. Yeah, I definitely kind of scoffed at, scoffed at that. I thought it was kind of funny. So I didn't think I had anything particularly notable but and like i still don't really per se but i definitely think that there is some level there's definitely some personality traits that go a lot farther when you're trying to deal with photographing wildlife like i'm naturally fairly calm and stoic um and i don't like i don't really disturb wildlife when i'm around them i don't get overly excited when I see things in front of me happening and I I'm also just naturally a very observant person so I'm always observing trying to understand trying to avoid pushing the wildlife in a way that they don't want to be pushed 
Well, I remember when you were first starting that and you had set up, I, I don't, I call it a tent. You called it something else in the backyard and you would just stay there. They would, after a while, you said, I believe that they learned to trust you that you weren't going to hurt them. And then they got inquisitive about who is this person and probably not identifying you as a person, but that all of that time that you spent just proving to them that you didn't want to harm them. You just wanted to watch them had an effect. Yeah. So initially I had a blind that I used, a camouflage blind, mm -hmm. and I used that to hide from the wildlife. But over time, um, spending you know, a, a pretty significant amount of time out there observing them through the blind, mm -hmm. I stopped using the blind because I didn't mm -hmm. need it anymore because the birds already knew that I was just, it was there as kind of like another bird to them. And, and, and also the fox and, and other wildlife that. Yeah, the foxes and other wildlife. I think a lot of that comes down to being present and just actively being non-threatening. Uh -huh. So um, I know for the foxes, I've done pretty well with foxes in the past, less well more recently, um, but I've done pretty well in the past, and I've I put a lot of the success up to amount of time out there with the animals so they get used to you specifically, and you know really just being calm and observant, and you know like they'll let you know if they want you to go away. They'll give you little right. subtle warnings. They'll make noises at you, or they'll. I don't know, look at you look at you kind of funny be a little <laughs> bit of a side eye right and that's how you know like you just, you just leave and then you just respect you respect them and um they'll you'll be rewarded with good images and that's something i've been working on with the shorebird project i'm doing right now i'm out there every day twice a day and the birds really start to recognize you and just kind of treat you like any other any other uh, animal out there they look at you and kind of they'll go around you and they'll kind of ignore you um or in some cases they'll actually use you to um you know you know like a beneficial way like I, for me i'm crawling through the mud and when i <laughs> crawl through the mud it'll stir up some of the insects that are in the mud and then the shorebirds will make their way around me and then eat the insects after i crawl through it so we really? have like, yeah so it's like a kind of a mutualistic um thing so i'm actually i'm kind of becoming part of the ecosystem which is pretty cool well you have an unusual affinity, whatever you want to call it, because I, I know when you have been on the trail, say in High Park, and you're walking along and there appears to be nothing happening. And you will, of course, you have really good eyesight and hearing. Uh, all of a sudden, you'll say it's there and you've identified it within a few minutes and it will not go away. So there seems to be the trust. If yeah. I would stop yeah. and and they would fly away right. so. yeah yeah so a lot of it has to, a lot of it comes down to not acting like a predator so if you kind of i'm also asking though how do you identify how do you how, how, how do you explain that when you're just walking along that you will be aware oh okay so for that i'm always looking around very carefully listening for signs of animals so like I I'll see. see like little like shadows moving or a little ruffling in the leaves or something like that. Oh. <laughs> and I will, you know, quickly lock on with my eyes and or or ears and just kind of, you know, sense what's around. Right. And more likely not there's something there. Um and then in terms of identifying, that's you know, you get that through experience. 
with experiences out there with the wildlife. And also, I got my experience fast tracked because I did study biology. Of course. So, okay, so um, you do know already a lot of the habits. Yes, I already knew a lot of the behavior and and um, species. So I didn't uh -huh. have to. I didn't have to relearn that for photography. I just already knew it. It was part of my a database of knowledge. So it a lot of it starts becoming. I, I should say intuitive for me i just intuitively know what, what's up and i know what to do and that intuition is based on acquired knowledge yeah it's it's acquired knowledge there's no there's not really it becomes intuition knowledge. but but yeah. it's 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 learned yeah yeah it's a, definitely a learned thing for you yeah so then i'm going to go to another similar idea you feel and i think you said at one point that when you go to photograph on this on the project that you're doing now that some of the birds will come around they know you they come around they expect that you're going to be there because you've been there so much but that they also and it's akin to what you said about digging up the dirt with them but you have said that you love those birds yeah and do you think that it's felt by them. How, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I think my love for these birds. So these are these are shorebirds. So sandpipers, plovers, um, and to a lesser extent, also gulls, terns, and ox and puffins. Um, so I absolutely love sandpipers and plovers with like a passionately love them. I think about them all day, and I <laughs> I, I dream about them at night. And I think what it often comes down to is going to be the time that you spend with them and they and the and the amount of time you spend with them that you respect their space and respect them and i think that allows you to kind of get this respect back from them and they don't um they don't really care that you're there anymore and in some ways they even might even like that you're there I mean, I'm kind of like a, I kind of shield that section through essentially intimidation of other photographers and um, fishermen. So they oh, really? Get, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Other photographers are sort of afraid of me. Um, but <laughs> when I'm in the field, at least. Uh, so like I, so when I'm there, there's less impact on them than normal. So you feel like you're protecting the bird from other yeah, people I'm not, that I'm, I'm not doing it directly, but mm -hmm. in effect, I in effect I am. There's uh -huh. there's there's this kind of unwritten rule in wildlife photography where the more dedicated looking the photographer is, the less likely people are to try to bone their shot. So they won't come in there and try to steal the same photo. Right. So if you're there every day doing the best light in the water or something lying and lying in the mud with your huge lens other <laughs> photographers will will go away from you but they, if you're they respect that yeah yeah yeah. they'll they'll mostly you, respect it yeah so what happens if you come and someone else is there well I'm you have so, to get there first <laughs> i'm sort of i've sort of become like the apex predator of the area the, the apex predator so like the highest like the top predator of the, the photography area in oh, that particular oh, section oh. <laughs> so if someone else is there um this doesn't sound like a complete asshole thing but if someone else is there i, I will totally just walk in to the spot 
and just take the photo anyways <laughs> so <laughs> the respect the respect is almost like is almost like one way only <laughs> yeah. oh, that sounds that sounds so bad to say but yeah that's that's kind of how it is but like well, if, if for, thank for, you thank you for your honesty i'm sure a lot of people yeah. would be interested in that yeah i mean like for other things other subjects where i'm not as prevalent in like owls or something i don't i will not step on someone else's uh, someone else's shot right but for these birds yeah i don't i don't care the, the oh man i'm trying to think how to word for how to word this nicely yeah yeah how, how are you going to dig yourself out now yeah uh you know i'll just i'll just stop on that point before i go into a, too deep of a rabbit hole we understand but do you feel then that and i think you do those birds will wait for you before they show themselves particularly that one that you just were working with yeah i was working with a red knot which is this beautiful like a rusty colored sandpiper and they have this huge migration and i was there for i think five sessions with it five or six sessions with it so that's um three days and he i'm using he i don't know if it was a he or she but he did not come out until all the other photographers except me and this person i was i was with um left and then it proceeded to only come out when i was around for the next few days so i thought that was interesting it, it was a, it was definitely pretty afraid of other photographers but over time it being around me made it not care as much so on the last day it was just it would just walk right into people it didn't even care yeah <laughs> well that that must have been quite satisfying for you was oh it? yeah yeah it was magical um i could have like the bird came so close that like i'm pretty sure it was feeding like on me like it was it was actually picking bugs off of me so really it, yeah and like i if i really want if i want to i could i could have like picked it up but then so it, like, it, this is while you were still in the mud so yeah i was in the mud and then eventually i was able to not even have to lie down just walk next to it and then lie down in front of it just keep walking towards me didn't care really yeah it was it was a magical experience and then you know a few days ago it went off and kept migrating to the arctic so you know their patterns yeah. very well so th that part is is that over now the um, migration that uh, yes that yeah, yeah so so some of the species they migrate at different times so the red knot it's gone now the turnstones are also gone and then some of the other sandpipers are coming through right now so least sandpipers and uh semi-palmated you know, there was a sanderling today so th those those smaller sandpipers are coming through so you still got more work to do on this project yep yep so i have four more outings there uh, so, and then I'm done. oh is that right okay so you're using your resourcefulness and your perseverance and feedback even from the from the birds mm -hmm. yeah, yeah yeah you, ha you have to take the feedback from the birds and get to get better over time Right. Um, the perseverance is a big thing, though. I, is I think, it? Yeah, I, I've had, I've done, I've been out there twice a day for almost two weeks now, and doing a.m. and p.m. So waking up at four or four thirty a.m., getting out there by five thirty, and then also doing the evening. So going getting out about five thirty p.m., staying until about nine o'clock. And Ooh, that that that's a pretty uh, tough schedule. Yeah, it's a tough schedule. I'm averaging about ten thousand photos a day, also. So I have to call those photos throughout. So right. it, it's an it's like a full time schedule of just that. 
So don't you need time out at times? And and how do you refresh yourself? Um, you know what the the good thing with shorebirds, at least here, is there's a there's this, there's this ephemeral quality to them where they're here and then they're gone. So I know that there will be like a hard end to when I'll, when the shooting period will be done. And and for me, I know that I have in the spring it's like a two or three week period. Mm-hmm. In the fall, it's a three month period. So the summer fall, uh, but I know that there'll be sections in, in between there where I have basically I don't have anything. So right. I know that I I know that I'm working towards something and then and that's done. And then they complete, right. and then I can keep moving along. And I, I think that keeps me going because I, I, I will admit, if you, just from mm-hmm. a purely physical standpoint, it will, it does start to like wear you down. But having so, the break is good. Having the break. I would also then, because I have seen some of this project, and I know that the artistic side of you and the artist is alive and well in your last project. And I'd like you to talk a little bit about that. I have seen some that have used a lot of bokeh, a lot of, uh, I guess what what I think I see, I you capture personality. Mm-hmm. You, you capture the character of it. You capture the mood of it. And this is, I know, important to you to do it. But I would just like you to elaborate more on that, on, yeah. on, on the artistic side of it, and also not capture capturing personality okay. which is something that everybody doesn't even see yeah sure i think that's a should be a pretty fun thing to talk about yes um, I, I think so too so speaking artistically throughout this project i've been dealing with a lot of different lighting scenarios different subject matter different environments so i can use when i'm out there in the field i can use those use what's there to inspire me and it will allow me to, and I'm trying to capture the best possible shots of any given situation. And, you know, thinking about different kinds of lighting, trying to shoot everything. Um, and not trying to be forced into a box of my own of my own style. So I've actually expanded my style throughout, mm-hmm. this, pro- throughout this recent project. Um, and it's, you know, when you do something really artistic... And you recognize that, mm-hmm. then you then you want to do it again. Oh and yes, <laughs> I, and then the, the pursuit of trying to do it again leads to more innovation because it's different. It's different each time. Yeah. So I think like that's really really cool to me that every day is is a little bit different. I'm trying to chase a certain goal, but I know it's gonna be. I'm gonna have to adapt and choose a new artistic avenue to go down, and it allows for a lot of innovation, a lot of really interesting shots that I would never have gotten if I was just, you know, going out there once a week and trying to get standard a standard image, right? And, you know, some days you'll have amazing light, amazing scenes, so you'll be going for mood and this, like, really dramatic look. Other times you'll have, you know, the softer light, but you'll have really good proximity to the subjects, and then you're going for the expressions and the personality of the individuals. And a little bit different of the goals. Ideally, you combine combine both of them. That's yes. a, that's the perfect combination. Um, but capturing the personality. If I may interject, because you are a biologist, you have an edge on that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's definitely an edge there, and I also have the 
you know, have the the perseverance to observe, watch the subjects, see how they're acting, learn the personality before I'm actually um, in the midst of capturing it. So every, like I know today, there was a semi-palmated sandpiper, super, yes. ag super aggressive, really, really like fiery personality. And any anything that came near it, it would attack. <laughs> really? And bear in mind, this is like a little tiny bird. It's like, it's smaller than, it's like, it's like your computer mouse or smaller. It's like this really, 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 really little bird. He's really feisty, chasing off all the other birds. And I got to spend a lot of time with him because he would like, he would honestly look at me and say, should I chase him too? Uh, so like, I mean, we didn't really get along in the same way that, you know, I had to do with other subjects. But like, because of that personality, we like tolerated me and just kind of, <laughs> kind of didn't care, um, which was, which was really kind of, was really kind of fun. Uh, some of the other days you'll have like a really calm or like maybe like a goofy, like really goofy bird. Right. And with, when you have a really goofy bird, you can yeah. get these like funny expressions out of them and they'll, they'll do, they'll just act really, really cute and, and interesting <laughs> in front, in front of you. And they just don't don't care where some birds are more stoic and they just sit there like it's kind of it's just, just just cool every every day there's a new bird a new personality and there's a lot a lot of potential so in a way you do interact whether the bird is a feisty one who wants you to go away you mm -hmm. stand your ground and respond to it well you know what with he, this so it depends right in this bird he was feisty but he was like feisty in a non-aggressive way, just his personality. Where mm -hmm. other birds, they're feisty because they're actually afraid. Um, and if they're have, afraid, you, have you ever been attacked by a bird? Uh, yeah. yeah have you? Been, yeah. So when if they're defending their nests, they'll attack you. If um they're trying to steal food from you, they'll attack you. If they uh, just don't like you, sometimes they'll attack you. So mm -hmm. like I don't get attacked very often. Um, occasionally I'll get in between like a swan mother and the babies because I'm lying mm -hmm. down there I'm kind of very stealthy and sometimes they, they don't notice me and then before you know it the swan babies are right next to me and then the mom is on the other side of me and then they'll freak out a bit but it, it, you know what you just have to respond in a way that doesn't scare them so when dealing with situations like that you just kind of look away kind of pretend you're ignoring them you don't really don't really care and then they ignore you and they realize that you're not going to harm them. Nothing to be afraid about. So the babies are inquisitive. They they don't have that fear. It's it's sort of the older birds that have yeah, developed the baby, it. The babies have not learned fear yet. <laughs> so, I mean, unfortunately, that's how a lot of them end up like dying. Because they, oh. they're, they're, they're so unafraid that they'll walk up to a predator and the predator will eat them. Really? Yeah. Oh, so, so. so, like, I think th to a certain degree you do want to you know you want them to have a certain amount of fear it's it's good for them but right. um it's it's advantageous for photography if they don't right so it's good but yeah within within certain limits yeah exactly well now that you're here in this particular time in your career where do you have any plans or any other dreams that you want our ideas that you want to realize and how are you going to go about that so i have yeah i i definitely have some some dreams <laughs> i would love to expand 
my shorebird adventures. So right now I'm photographing most, mostly in Oshawa, but I would love to expand that out across the world, photographing these birds. Um, I would love to go up to Alaska to their breeding grounds. I would, oh. love, I would love to spend months at a time down in Florida and California, photograph them over, over the winter. So that, that's a kind of like a, a shorter term goal. A longer term goal is I would love to help them. I would love to help the birds through conservation efforts. Maybe I, um, I, I don't know exactly how, how I would do it yet, but it's something I've been thinking about is, you know, maybe trying to sell my work with the goal, instead of me making money, the goal to generate money for conservation efforts for these birds. Uh, some of them are going extinct, like the piping plover and the red knot. And I think a lot of, a lot of it is preventable. But I think through education and um, my photography, we can hopefully allow for a little bit more knowledge in the public and hopefully tr find a way to, to help them out a little bit. So you would extend that uh, entrepreneur, the entrepreneurial side of yourself into perhaps going into the yeah. more conservation oriented. Yeah. yeah, this is something I've been thinking about during the last week actually because um you know it's not it's nice and all to get, get money for your photography and showcase these birds but if you can help them and make the world a little bit better i feel like i have to do that i feel like i owe it to them to try and do the best i can yeah oh on their behalf on their well, behalf, that... because they they can't speak for themselves, um, so I think we as photographers need to step up and do our do our part to help oh, the subjects. That sounds like a, a a very doable dream. Far you know, it requires a lot of steps in between. Yeah, there's yeah, I think it's going to progressively go that way, and mm -hmm. you know, there's there's other things too. Like I, I would love to have a mini golf course. <laughs> uh, like I would love a mini golf course out in PEI. Or, is that that's still on your agenda? It's on, the, it? it's on the agenda, and you know what? I might try to use that avenue to generate money for to help the conservation of these birds as well. Right. Oh, so, you know, but at the to... same time, you, you would be doing workshops that area. Yeah, I'd be doing workshops there, um, photographing these birds, doing, um, you're just trying to do it. Just as <laughs> I guess, I'm, I'm starting to get to the point where I'm starting to almost like dedicate myself to this particular subject matter. Whereas like before oh, yeah. I was more, I was more generalist, but I, I definitely, like I'm, although I'm passionate about all wildlife with shorebirds, I, I, I have a passion that I've like, I've never felt before. Until, right? until I started photographing them. It's like this undying, like dedication that I, like I, that I have in a, in a way, like, like it's, it's, it's almost like I, I can't really compare it to anything. I just feel like it's it's like Do you it's feel what, like it, it's a calling for you? It is, yeah. It feels it feels like a calling. It feels like a calling for me. And it does help that shorebirds are very likable birds. <laughs> the general, they're very cute and they're very charismatic and the public likes them. So, so that's uh... it's, it's a much more it's a much more doable avenue than if I was really passionate about some obscure insect or something. <laughs> right. But I don't think other people do see it the way you see it. So this is a golden opportunity 
starting even right now, like you say, to show that side of those birds yep. and to show your passion in in being having them part of your world. Yeah, and that's something I've been thinking about with my photography. Instead of trying to aim purely for like artistic excellence, right. I'm now starting to expand the style and try to show off more behavior, more personality, uh, more things about the birds themselves than trying to just make it about the art. Right. Because I think that in the end is what's going to be more useful to the average person. So I, I, I yeah, it's just you know, it's things I've been thinking about. You have a busy mind. I do. I, I'm always, <laughs> I'm always thinking. Yes. Never stop thinking. Yes. So, that being said, is there anything else you want to tell us about on this podcast? We, of course, will get together again, uh, the four of us, you and Paul and Linda and I. We'll do another podcast together, which will be interesting because I think you certainly have evolved from the first podcast that we did, which was not that long ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, before the, like when we did the last podcast, I was in between projects, right? So I yes. had a long dry spell of projects. Did you? Yeah. Oh. So I went, so I did, I mean, I did some like mini projects. So I did the owl pro the owl mini project and the Vancouver mini project. But the last real project I did was in the fall or no i guess it was the winter in california that was like the last like bigger project so like i had december all the way until like beginning of may right so like i was kind of getting antsy and uh i was focusing on certain aspects of the business at that time whereas right now i'm focusing on other aspects of it so that's what it's kind of there's a different shift there I guess the one thing we haven't talked about is the money aspect because you are self-supporting. Yep. Uh, yeah. So the money aspect is always a problem. If, if you're <laughs> if you're if you're a wildlife photographer, um, even for even for teaching photography, it is like an ongoing issue because you're always trying you're, you're trying to use the money to reinvest into projects that you're working on, and then you're hoping those pro projects will return, and then you're also trying to just have like the day-to-day -day sustenance you also there's also a lot of gear you need so i mean i'm getting there i'm getting there <laughs> it, it's uh it, it there's a long road ahead um teaching is sort of like the bread and butter thing and it's still your bread and butter yeah, and, and you and and, that, and that, that's the thing and that's growing for you isn't it yeah yeah so and, that, that, that's growing um i'll be teaching uh well i'll be hopefully expanding the teaching into the wildlife photography space with the shorebirds specifically that would be the fall cross my fingers on that i'll i don't know first year might be a little tough next year will be better um because i'm starting to become known for shorebirds but you know like i have to keep expanding that non-wildlife photography teaching side as i go to get more money that way and they don't conflict too much scheduling wise so I, I can teach those. Oh, in the, I teach those in the middle of the day, whereas the wildlife, it's very beginning, very end of the day. I see. I mean, it conflicts with sleep a little bit, but <laughs> as long as you're not doing it every single day, like for the full day schedule, you're right. should, you should be okay. Um, so like the money thing, yeah, I don't know. It's I think about it all the time, <laughs> and I I try to 
I'm trying to think of new innovative ways to push things. And unfortunately, I think because of the stage of my business, there are some things where I have to work on something and I know the return will be farther down the road. There's, a, it, there's a definitely a delayed return on a lot of things, but you, you just gotta, you gotta get this stuff done to lay the groundwork. So basically you're still laying the groundwork and do you see yourself working in partnership? If you're interested in developing the business, you would need help with that. Yep. I mean, for some of the things, like if I want to, yeah, like for some of the stuff, I, I will definitely need help. I'll, I'll probably need to find someone who will, who I can hire that will do some of that business nitty gritty stuff, stuff that yes. I just, I just, I just can't do because I'm out doing the actual teaching and doing the photography itself. So I, but I, even I as a, a younger person, you did have that side to you, that entrepreneurial side. And I think you made, if I remember right, uh, fishing lures. Yeah, yeah. So And you sold them and you were very young when you did. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we made fishing lures as like a little business. Never turned a profit, <laughs> uh, as you'd expect. But it was a good lesson in learning about, you know, supply and demand. Oh, really? And understanding yes. business. So I always, I think about business all the time. Um, it's kind of interesting because it's, my photography is the passion and the business and my job, right? So I feel like it creates this weird dynamic where you're you're kind of, you could be spending all the time doing, technically doing work, but then you're not doing the work you need to do. Well, that's an important thing that you just said. The work you need to do, because a lot of people have been told, you know, follow your passion, follow your, your passion and have followed their passion, but really couldn't support themselves. Yeah. And yeah. so there is that blend of, yes, you want to love what you're doing if you can. But then there is a practical side that there are certain things you have to do in particularly in the stage when you're developing your expertise because you have to have some kind of expertise or something um, to create skills that you can be hired to use. Yeah, and I think that's how I started to expand to, you know, shooting all genres was because it was because of this need to make money, right? So I've and in the end, it's been very good for me from a technical side because it is it is what allowed for the consultations and teaching all these different classes and gaining this reputation as someone who's very knowledgeable if i if i just followed my pure passion i would probably be a much worse photographer right now i would um i would not be doing it so i i would not be doing it with my job so i wouldn't have any money to shoot as much as i do and so you know like you, yes, you have to follow your passion, but you have to understand that sometimes to get to the best scenario, you have to make some like compromises in certain areas and try to balance that out into this kind of cohesive mesh. And you know, trying to it's like this equilibrium state where you're you know as happy as you possibly can, but you're also getting stuff done that you need to get done. That's a good way to put it. Yes. Okay, so then I'm just wondering, what would you like to pursue right now? In terms of my photography? No, or... in, in, in terms of your overall journey, where you oh, are. Oh, my overall journey. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I would love 
to expand my artistic capabilities in in a way that is like truly innovative. Right now, I'm I'm innovating in my photography, but I feel like I could push boundaries more. Like there's a lot of and, and there are ideas I have, but I've I've honestly been a little bit afraid to do them so far because I, they're so far out there that I I don't it, it might actually negatively affect me <laughs> and so what are they <laughs> they just just um, throw it out there I, I i do i'm not at liberty to tell oh okay. yeah, yeah no no i'm talking <laughs> like like some of these ideas are like so um so innovative that i if i i don't want to say it because well then you better test it on your your chat groups yeah yeah <laughs> i'm actually afraid of doing that too because i think they might steal the idea some of the people in there Oh dear. <laughs> yeah. So I have to build up a, a large enough portfolio of the work and before okay. releasing it, Thank people can't catch up to it. <laughs> right. But one thing I know, well, you said that, you know, portraiture and things like that were a way to make money in that and that you were involved with it for quite a while. But you do character really well. Yeah. 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 And so and and I think that that was one of the things that stood out from some of the shoots that we did uh, that you were able to capture that same kind of quality in people, people who you had resonance with and uh, that you had with the birds, like you got their personalities. Yeah. It's kind of funny because portrait photography has, I thought it was in, when I started, I initially thought that was going to be the bread and butter thing. Yes. But it's kind of not been that way probably because I haven't been, haven't been pushing it so hard and pushing teaching mostly right um and maybe maybe i'll push portrait photography more in the future that's something i, well, like to work I, I on. think certainly the way that you capture character because it's a little different than the usual uh way that people are photographed yeah yeah so i i try to i do a lot of character photos right right so for the people who are in character or i'm showing off their individuality so I, I shoot in a way that's a little bit differently most people shoot with a longer lens when they're doing portraiture i tend to shoot a little bit of a wider lens because it gives a bit more of a character feel to it instead of feeling like businessy so i i don't shoot in this typical way but i think i shoot in a much more interesting and fun unique way for portraiture and i use portraiture as a way to test new ideas and expand expand in areas that I don't know if I can apply in wildlife, but maybe I can in the future. So you I, I use, just... you use some props with them too, I think, do you know? And also, yeah. well, yeah. we do know the machine, the smoke machine and yeah, I was, like I that. the smoke machine. And the thing is with the portraiture, a lot of times I'm trying to cater to demands of someone else. So that gives its own challenge, especially when I am asked to shoot in a way that's outside of my style because oh. so i work with like with my girlfriend a lot and my friends and they come up with these like wacky ideas that i've never even thought of and they tell me alex can you do this i'm like i have no clue if i can but if anyone can it like it will be me so we <laughs> we have to do good, these like, good things. Attitude. And, and and they have like these like they give me like very limited prompts like they like they think they're being useful but really they've just given me like a vague idea. I have to make it up on the spot, but that's so fun and so challenging. 
and yet sometimes if I'm really busy and like I'm kind of bitter that they're not paying me, but um, <laughs> but then other, but then other times you know it just keeps me keeps me fresh. I know there's no, and the good thing with doing it the friends and it not being a paid thing is there's no timeline. Like I can just I can edit them when I on my own leisure, right? Right. So right. like I, like if I want to I can just I can just slap together the edit on my phone just send it off to them. There's no right. there's no there's no pressure to be perfect, which I think adds to the, the fun and the flair there. That group that I've seen, they have their own characters too, and they can go in and out yeah. of different characters very well. Yeah, they're they're a bunch of goofballs. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. may want to edit that one. <laughs> uh, they don't they don't care. No, yeah, they won't care. But but it, but it, it they're fun and interesting. What what yep. you have done with them, and yep. and they obviously like they like that they like. To they're actors in some ways. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yes. Um, like right now, we're doing these these joke, basically joke shoots for my friend's dating profile, and it, like we were going through these things. He, like he's not a very athletic guy, and he's really short. But we have pictures of him, um, like pretending to play basketball, or like playing other sports, or we have like him like <laughs> like in the lake, completely soaking, soaking wet, coming out of the water, like water dripping off him. Like it's really dramatic, very commercial looking image. It's just like hilarious because it's it's him. So he doesn't look like someone who'd be doing this. It looks like Oh, I know. I actually, Alex, haven't I seen? Yeah, yeah, you've that, seen, you've seen some of them, yeah. Yeah. No, and they were they, they look just like the Olympics or something, yeah, I but know. he's yeah. not uh yeah, but it, it was cool. It, it, there's the ones that I saw that I thought were really good were like spoofs. Yeah. And that's what we do a lot of. We do a lot of really goofy photos. But you know what? When you're doing these goofy photos and you're doing them in this like epic commercial-esque way, you learn a lot of these like really high-end techniques and, and and you're kind of forced to like he, he actually looks cool. Like he looks he really, really <laughs> cool. Um so I think it, it's kind of it's interesting making normal people look like they're a world class like after someone famous it's it, it, it's it's really interesting i and i think that that's something i would love to do more of in the future um and I, that's like a personal more of a personal product but yeah i think those personal products are fun like i have another one coming up that I, i'll be starting to work on maybe in between shorebird projects and that's on um doing like these ghost photos so we have like this sheet and we're gonna dress people up in this this ghost thing and the ghost will be doing day-to-day stuff so and they'll be in different styles so we'll do some in like a street photography style do some in like this epic commercial photography style some in like kind of a more casual style and i just think it'd be just fun like having this ghost going around town in like a coffee shop ordering a coffee and you know it's just kind of this interesting photo photo series so that's kind of down the pipeline as well I th- I th- I really think you should include them, but, but of course this is uh, an interview about what you think. And what other subject before we leave? What about video? You do do video. So I do video from time to time. It's not my it's not my it's not only my passion, but you know some situations they are better in video than they are in stills. So I have my camera set up for slow motion video if I if I need it. And then I've also taken video for um you know sports 
and other other stuff like that. I've recently started taking video of my shorebirds and while well, they're doing certain things. I think it's kind of fun. There was this one-legged shorebird that was that it couldn't run around like they normally do. So to feed, it was hopping around on one foot and picking up <laughs> bugs that way. And he's really, really cute, but he's also getting getting the job done being <laughs> disabled. So I, oh, pretty cool. That there would be a lot of interest in that. And I, yeah, hope, I that, so hope you pursue, pursue that. Yeah, I'm, I think that is definitely an avenue where there's a lot of room for growth that I haven't explored fully. So I, right. think, I think that will be an area that you'll see a lot more from me. Yeah, I'm trying to think. There's a few more areas that I'm trying to push. Yeah, more, I, more, more, more teaching. That's probably the the other big one. I I think when I know for myself too, when I get involved in something like even the podcast, uh, sometimes I get so involved in it that I forget about the other things that I really want to do and where I why I started this and you know the whole idea that I started with, of course, is, is the little pine tree studio and gallery and a showcase for the uh, photography. And yet this part happened to come along and work out so well. And I have to remind myself that those other things are really important to me too. And not to put that out of my mind because I'm so focused on one thing. Oh it, yeah. I am. Uh, <laughs> I am not good at that either. <laughs> I am very, very bad. Right now, I have I'm working on my website development, right, and I have my own podcast. I'm working on that. I completely forgot to mention um, <laughs> while talking about the goals, but yeah, I have a podcast I'm trying to work on. Um, it's called Wildlife Photography on Hinge, where it's kind of like a comedic oh. podcast, right? And but like, yeah, the Shorebird Project has completely wipe my mind of all other important tasks I have to do so that's that's maybe (laughs) it's both good in a way like where I could be very dedicated to this project and I can deliver a much higher yield of images and I think it's necessary for a project like this but at the same time I'm not getting the stuff I need to get done on the other area so I guess that is sophisticated as your work has become this is still an area that it is definitely an area of weakness that i have oh, i didn't say weakness alex you did <laughs> yeah no i said it I, I'll, I will fully say it getting like multitasking out those different things i am borderline like disabled at i like i don't, oh. know, I don't know i don't know how else to put it like it is, it is so much of an issue for me that like i like i i i i'm truly baffled that i even have these other things like (laughs) (laughs) on. but you know what's gonna happen i'm gonna get this i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm getting distracted right now by the shorter project but i mean i have to get that done that's part of my stuff and then hopefully i'll get distracted by one of the things i have to get done and i'll finish it in like a day or two oh Good right. idea. Right. Keep that thought. Right. And then hold that thought. And then, like, you know, like for the podcast, for example, knowing me, I honestly could record like 40 episodes in like a week and potentially just do it that way. 
Um, I mean, it's not the best way to do it. Obviously, it's better to do it over time. But I just know my personality. I know that I'm the kind of person that would do something, do something kind of crazy like that. Well, you get dug in very deep. Very much so. Yes, and and you hyper focus on it. I think hyper focus is good if as long as you manage your ability to hyper focus. Yep. But it's it's it is a good quality if you can do it. Yeah, it, it can be. It's like a superpower when done um, strategically. Right. Or it, it can be very debilitating. So you know, it's <laughs> <laughs> it depends. It really depends on how you manage it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I've been very interested in this podcast, Alex. I think we brought out some really, really interesting ideas. And looking forward to really hearing again from you, three of the four of us get together, yeah. which I hope that isn't going to be too uh, long from now. But I, I, I just really enjoyed how you bring forth your ideas and how you explain what it really took to get there and what a promising future you are looking ahead into. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Alex. It's been a joy to interview. Oh, it's this, this has been a blast. <laughs> I, I like that idea. It is a blast. We'll see you next time. Do you want to say you, again your address, your Instagram? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so just to repeat again, my Instagram is at Alex underscore Perditas. Um, Alex spelt normally. Uh, P-R-I-E-D-I-T-I-S. Thank you. Looking forward to seeing you soon. Bye.